Well, welcome to Dragonheart. I am joined just by Mark Griffiths today, but we've got a lot of exciting things to talk about. It's been a very crazy week to be a Rexman fan, hasn't it, Mark? It certainly has. So crazy that Bill just couldn't cope and he's escaped the country. But I don't blame him. I don't blame him at all. I believe he's scouting some players in Ligue 1 for us. There's a, a possibility that Bill will close the Mbappe deal by the by the Easter weekend. Well, he, he, I know he's got a few very, very private meetings with Mbappe. Um, that sounded appropriate. The, right, we'll redo that. No, we will not. That stays in. Okay, that stays in. Okay, right. He's got private meetings with Mbappe. Um, yeah, so maybe we'll see him in a TikTok shirt next year. Who knows? Anyway, we'll get on to the good stuff now. We've got two games to talk about. We've got uh, a little short dibble interview, and we've also got a few little bits and bobs, whatever else is going on in the Wrexham world. So well, we've got let's get to him. We've got me um, photobombing Ryan Reynolds like a good one. Oh, well... I can't wait to hear it, Mark. So, this is Dragonheart. I'm Liam McClendon, and this is Dragonheart. Stockport, Mark. One hell of a game. It was a game that I actually didn't cover. I was in the crowd for. and I'm actually reasonably happy for that because the Rex Rent stand was absolutely rocking that day. But, yeah, let's go through it, Mark. What a game. It was just magnificent, wasn't it? I mean, firstly, wasn't that really obviously the two best teams in our division? In fact, I'd go further, and I know you might accuse me of sacrilege here, Che, but was that the two best teams that I've seen in National League since Wrexham went down? I think quite possibly. I know you're going to get angry because you're going to start saying, what about the 98-point team? But I'm, I'm starting to head that way when I'm asking the question, is this a team that, and the Stockport side, are these two teams the two best ones? You know, Well, certainly since Wrexham and Fleetwood. But it was such yeah. a high-quality game. It was tight. It was tense. And I've got to say, the way we're playing at the moment, you have to be exceptionally good to, to make us be involved in a tight and tense game because we're flying, aren't we? Oh, yeah, we're, we're completely flying. And so are they. Uh, it, it, it was the fine margins, isn't it, that really won us the game, Mark? Absolutely. Uh, both sides had chances. Both goalkeepers made good saves. When you look back at it, their goalkeeper made a lot more saves than Dibble, although, as we, I'm sure we'll get to, he made two magnificent saves that made a huge difference in the outcome of the match. But, I mean, you, you can't ignore the facts. Stockport, before that game, had won 20, 20 out of 21 games. I mean, that's just, that's absurd. They were on their club records for the most consecutive away wins in their history. And that's remember, Stockport are not a new club. Stockport go back almost as far as we do. That's the first time we played Stockport was the 19th century. This is an ancient club with a lot of history. They'd set the record for their most consecutive away games. If they'd won at the race course, they'd have set a record for the most consecutive wins in their history. And if they'd not lost 
at the race course. They would have set a club record for the longest ever unbeaten run. This is a club in the sort of form that you just never experienced. They were, they're an amazing team. And for me, they were second best. We, we deserved to win it. I accept it was close, but then when you play a team of that quality, you know, when, when Liverpool play City this weekend, it's unlikely to be a battering because both sides are high quality. But same with this at our level. But honestly, I, I just was... To, to get a win against a team of that quality and to look as good as we did, I think that tells you everything about where we are at the moment. I mean, for me as well, the atmosphere is crackling way before the match. I mean, what's your perspective from, from behind the goal? There was no need to stoke this up. Everyone arrived knowing exactly that what stakes were, there were. Well, I've got to say, Mark, let's compare the Rexman Fleetwood thing to the Rexman Stockport thing that's going on. Yeah, Wrexham Fleetwood were by far the best side that season on the pitch, but Wrexham were the best side off the pitch. Uh, this year, both sides have tremendous support, don't they? And you've got to give a lot of credit to their away fans because they were making a hell of a noise. And there was no... If, if you were to take someone who didn't know that these two teams were 50th um, English football... You'd, be, you'd think that was probably a League One match, wouldn't you, Mark, with the atmosphere, the crowd, the quality on the pitch and and just how professional everything looked. I've got to say, you are just so right. That was a League One match in terms of everything, including quality on the pitch. And that's why I need to roll back on something that I think I said on Dragonheart a few weeks ago, that I liked Notts County as a club. And I was sort of, I said to some people at Notts County, you know, uh, I hope it's us and them who go up to the extent that I was saying, you know, we, we'll get the title off stock, but don't worry about that. You just make sure you do in the playoffs. Um, now, I, I haven't changed my mind. I like I do like Notts County. I like a lot of people who are there. But it, it, I've got to be honest, having watched that game, it wouldn't be right if it wasn't Wrexham and Stockport in League Two next season. Because we are just far too good, aren't we? Both teams for that level. And I know I've said this before, but when Pete Wilde, the Halifax manager, tried to play mind games before they came to ours, and talking about, oh, well, they're, they're a League One team. It's a League One club, a League One crowd. He was trying to take the pressure off his team. But without maybe fully intending to, he absolutely hit the nail on the head. We are two divisions too good for this division. And that is why we, we are looking like we are. I mean, we do look magnificent. And it's a it's an absolute farce if both teams don't go up. And not only, just like it was when we didn't go up in the 98-point season. It's an absolute farce if we don't go up. Or Stockport don't go up. And again, illustrates the stupidity of the Football League not opening the door to another promotion place. Because the fact of the matter is... By only having two up, two down, it creates a stagnant situation at the bottom of League Two where there are basket case clubs that should be flushed out and allowed to, to, to reboot themselves. And then there's thriving teams at the top end of the National League who, a little bit like the, cha the championship, spend too much gambling to try and go up to, to a, a better place and in doing so risk implosion. If, you know, if they don't go up after a couple of good seasons of heavy spending, 
You know, you look at teams like Chesterfield and frankly Stockport, if they don't go up, they've spent a ludicrous amount of money. You can't keep going back for more and more. You know, they could have problems. Fortunately, I don't think we would be in that situation, but still, it's not healthy. And if I was a football league club, I'd, I'd, I'd still vote for three up, three down. Up, because the truth is, teams drop out and stay down. You know, look at us. You know, if, if we maybe dropped out, well, maybe we're not the best example, but teams that hover around the bottom end for a while, just being poor and rescued by the fact that only two teams go down, end up rotting away, getting into the sort of state that, you know, that, that some teams have when they go down, they go straight through again. York and people like that. And then it's a hell of a scrap to come back up again. And I just I just think it's healthier for football league teams if they do drop out and then there's more promotion places to jump back in. So, yeah, in all fairness, Wrexham and Stockport have got to be the two to go up this year or something wrong has happened, I think, really. Yeah, and that's the problem with the playoffs, isn't it? Is not always the best sides do go up. Um, I 100% agree. Uh, this, there's going to be a lot of... League Two fans will say, oh, why would we vote for the three down? Because mm. it's like turkeys voting for yeah. Christmas. Yeah. But it, it's very short-sighted, isn't it, in the long run, in my opinion? Yeah. Because we, if, if we can go down, if the likes of us, Notts County, Stockport, Southend, Luton in recent years, yeah. can go down to that level, mm. anyone can. Anyone from League One can go down to that level then, in my opinion. It only takes a couple of bad seasons. You are stuck. You really are stuck. So, you know, it makes more sense to make it into a fifth division, I would argue. It doesn't have to be taken out of the National League's hands, although it wouldn't be the worst thing (laughs) in the world. I I, I must admit, I've sent a question to the excellent uh, Price of Football podcast. I know you love that as well. Yeah. Um, it hasn't been answered yet. And I understand that because they get lots of good questions. But basically, Kieran Quinn and Kevin Day, who are absolutely outstanding, they talk about the financial side of football and the political side of football. And they are in contact quite often and have had on the show Tracy Crouch, who did the, the fan-led review of the game. And one of the things that recommended strongly, of course, was having an independent person at the top end, a commissioner, if you will, running football. And my question to them is, would that person be likely to have the powers to impose structural changes on the Football League? Because to me, that's the only way I think we will get revision of this system. I think you're right. Even though it's short-sighted, Football League clubs won't vote to increase the promotion relegation spots is there scope maybe for an independent regulator to step in and say it's not your decision there's going to be three up three down i hope so i hope so too Uh, even if we do get promoted this year i'd still hope so because i would would still hope for it because i've just been through the last what 14 years yeah exactly right and you know look at look at how the two two teams who went up last year are doing this season in league two it's not like National League teams are coming up and doing terribly. Sutton have just been in the the Pizza Cup final uh, and had a very tough, tight, entertaining game against Rotherham. And um, Hartlepool are are 12th, you Mm -hmm. know, sitting in mid-table, you know. And League Two is very, very tight. tight. Sutton could even make a run for the playoffs this year. So... And and if if Wrexham and Stockport go up, i got to be honest, i got this thought in my head. If we go up, this is going to be one of these cool rivalries 
I sort of hope we go up at the same time as well, because a proper rivalry is developing between two clubs who are both operating at League One level, as you rightly says, and maybe have the potential, if they get up towards League One, to be investing towards going higher. Um, it's you know you, we'll get a proper twice a year highlights facing against them because uh, um, I reckon if we both go up, we'll both be going for promotion next season without a question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it could be quite fun. We've, we've both got the budgets. I, I look at Stockport squad and our squad will probably make a push for the playoffs this year in League Two. Yeah. I personally think, anyway. And I, I, honestly, yeah. I, I, I think we both League One teams. I really believe yeah. in that. The, the top eight, the top eight of the National League is this mm. season would beat a lot of League Two teams. Yeah, in my opinion, and especially you know if Chesterfield didn't have Shamanga get injured. They would have been up there with it, with it as well, wouldn't they? So it's. I think they would, yeah. but I don't think even with him, they're the quality of Wrexham and Stockport. I, I, I'm not trying to dismiss them, but I do think that Wrexham and Stockport now, I honestly mean that. I'm not saying we're League One clubs, although I think we are, but we are League One teams. The playing staff are both of, you know, our squads are strong League One squads. Um, Shamanga's a superb striker. No question. They have other very good players. But I think you, you can see how things have gone since Shamanga got injured, that Chesterfield were maybe a little over-reliant on having a player who's, you know, boosted better than the rest of the division. I don't think they quite keep pace with us, personally. Yeah, it would have made it a little bit more interesting. Oh, yeah. Look at Halifax as well. They've been excellent this season. Yeah. I'd fancy a lot of the top eight National League sides to go up against anyone in League yeah. Two. I've um, been plenty of times since we've dropped down where you look at the top half of our division and think, I bet that's better than the bottom half of League Two. And this yeah. is one of those times. Yeah, I think the National League has been very strong this year, even so much compared to last year. It's, it's a lot stronger. Hi guys, I'm Dominic Vose and uh, this is Dragonheart. But anyway, back to the Stockport game. It, it was a really tense affair, wasn't it? And all credit to their fans. They were very loud and we were very loud. But Stockport could have been 1-0 up before half-time, couldn't they? They missed an absolute sitter. Yeah. Well, there were two, weren't there, really? I mean, well, the first one wasn't a sitter. But it was like you can say, until added time, it was tight. Mm-hmm. Maybe they were slightly better. Um, there were times, I think, when our midfield was a little too deep and allowing them to come on to us a bit. But we didn't look troubled by it. And it was just a really tight, sort of t- you know, tactical, tough game where you see the managers tinkering a bit. You know, we know that we can hiss Palmer and, and Mullen and they can cause problems, just the two of them up there. And so we weren't scared to have the midfield a little deep, but I think they went a little too deep and let Stockport have a bit too much of the game in our half. But we still had spells where we looked threatening and moments where those two looked threatening. But then, like you said, suddenly in the, in the very end of the half, the whole game just cracks wide open, starting off with Dibble, making that fabulous save and quickly. You know, it, it was a brilliant save with his right foot. And that was a huge, huge moment for me. And then almost straight away afterwards, Sarcevic, oh, how did he miss it? I mean, honestly, I was sort of trying to explain it at the time, you know, having only watched it live, saying, 
you know, sort of sat in front of him. He's leaned back, and because he's made contact on the half volley, if you lean back, it sort of exaggerates how high it's going to go. But when you look at it again, no, he's just just make any sort of contact except the contact he made, and he scores. I can't believe he's a good player. Another one they brought down from the football league. I can't believe you missed that. I I think that was crucial. I, I don't personally personally really subscribe to this idea of. Um, the best time to score a goal is just before half-time, myself. But I think it, it, it certainly would have an impact on the game if he'd taken that chance, or indeed, if Double hadn't made that brilliant save. Yeah, because it would have forced us to really chase the game then, which I would have yeah. thought, thought would have sat into Stockport's hands a little bit more, wouldn't it, to be fair? Uh, they have some class players as well. Yeah, And going, going into the second half... I think we really, really grew into the game. And I think, you know, first half was Stockport, second half. I think we were the better side, weren't we? Yeah. I, I thought it was marginal in the first half. But the second half, yeah, we, we did step up a bit. We literally stepped her up in terms of the midfield, getting in their faces a bit more. And we started to take turns more, didn't we? And we, we began to make chances. And Hinchcliffe already made one really good save in the first half. We made a string of cracking saves. The yeah. one from Jordan Davis in particular, I thought that was a goal. Um, but he made a string of excellent saves and we really started to open them up. Although, having said that, the save that Dibble made from Connor Jennings, you know, he doesn't like his ex-teammates, does he? Connor Jennings with his other foot was a hell of a save. save. It's quite interesting because I've heard lots of people talking about how that was the better save. And I think the first one was the better save. But... It doesn't matter. <laughs> the fact yeah. is, those two saves, the fact that we're talking about that shows how good they were and how important they were because, um, as we'll hear in a bit, I spoke to, to Christian after the match and I basically put it to him that, that this we don't score Mullins' goals if he doesn't make those saves because that game isn't stretched like that if Stockport are winning. And it's because he made those saves that we were able to score at the end. Um, and I strongly believe that those were two enormous saves, weren't they? Really brilliant saves at crucial points in the game, which which kept us in it and allowed us to have that grandstand finish. For me, I, maybe some people think I'm wrong, but I, I thought he was man the match for us. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought you could argue that. You know, Mullins scores two amazing goals, but I think the goalkeepers are always forgotten about aren't yeah, they and, yeah. and for me it was a bit of um he needed that performance after Dover to silence his critics and what a magnificent performance by Dibble and it, it, it was great to see because I was worried that maybe the pressure of him having to have a good performance would make him force him to make more mistakes mm-hmm. and again we, we didn't break down the Dover game I thought I thought a lot of people were unfair with him in that game, he was a bit of a scapegoat, and I think mm. the game probably would have been the similar if, if Lainton was in goal, because that was just one of those freak, crazy games that you that you have that you can hear about in a special Dragon Heart that's coming out uh, what Tuesday. day okay. on Tuesday. Yeah. It's going to be like a documentary style Dragon Heart unseen before, and mm. uh, yeah, tune into that one. But yeah. I think he needed oh. that big performance and he gave that that, that performance and yeah. Well, so should happy. We, should we hear from him now, do you think? And see what he had to say? Yeah, let's hear from him now. 
I'm Aaron Hayden, and this is Dragon Hearts. I mean, Chris, we've been on the pitch after we've just got ourselves to Wembley yeah. again. Strictly speaking, the fourth time in our history. I, I think it's the first. I don't count two of them. Yeah. You know, you know why. <laughs> um, those two saves you made, one with each foot, have taken us to Wembley because that game doesn't get into that situation if we're behind, does it? <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying you know, so, no, to grovel to you, but yeah, let's be honest. No. I mean, those are huge saves. Yeah. You know, that's what I feel like I'm in the team to do. You know, any goalkeeper would just make the big saves at the, at the big time. You know, we look at Saturday, we all weren't good enough, you know, yeah. for me to, to, to the strikers, but we still managed to get six goals yeah. in the C5. But, you know, a game like today against a good side, very good side, and we've managed to book a place to Wembley and we're all absolutely buzzing, <laughs> mate. Absolutely buzzing. That, that's, that's the thing, though, isn't it? I mean, You've come back from. I mean, last Saturday was was rough for everyone. I think individually yeah. and rough collectively yeah. for everyone. I, I, I'll say it frankly: you got more criticism than you deserved. Some of it from me because commentating. I thought that cross the corner for the yeah. second goal was much closer to you than I thought it was. Yeah. So in the commentary, I'm saying should have come for that. I mean, I've seen it again. Yeah. No, you can't come for that. Yeah. So you've had that. You you, you bounce back like that. I mean, to come out and put in a performance like that, I yeah. think it's. I know, I know that's what professionals do, yeah, but my word, I mean, that's massive for this yeah, club. absolutely huge, you know, I'm absolutely buzzing, I hardly ever, never played at Wembley, and you know, hopefully I'll be selected to play, but it's, criticism, you have to deal with it all the time, you know, you get criticised by your own fans, from other fans, people behind the goal, it's just one of the things that I know what I can do, and I know I can come out and prove to people I can do it, but... I won't let it affect me yeah. and you know I think I've come out today and I've shown that I can step up to the plate on big occasions and, and do what I can do and it shows as well because I think people often make stupid comments and I, mean, I don't mean about you but about, about football in general yeah. they, they want to ascribe things to how mentally strong a player is or whatever you know how do they react to things mental strength is to come back when people are saying things and perform like that. Yeah. I know because I'm a field goalkeeper and in my pathetic career, <laughs> nothing like yours, I let in the worst goal ever in that goal. Back Did pass, you? back pass when you could pick up back passes. <laughs> went into, went to, it, was, it was embarrassing. Yeah. I didn't let it go out, get it yeah, out of my yeah, head. Yeah, yeah. And so I let in another stupid goal. Yeah, yeah. It's all about mental strength mental as a keeper yeah. and it's been able to think, okay, Last Saturday is not optimal, no. so I go again. Yeah. That's what that's what made today. I thought outstanding, even if it's what you want out of keeper, it's brilliant from you. Yeah, it's, you know that, and that that's the hardest thing which I've had to learn from when I was younger. You know, yeah. if you make a mistake, I'd always used to think about it, but now yeah. you can't change time. You know, it's happened, and you go again, and you've got to try and and do your best the next the next, the next shot, the next cross, the next kick, whatever it is. But you know, I'm absolutely delighted today. I'm absolutely buzzing, I can't tell you, but you know, now we've got to get our heads down and uh, focus on the yeah. Tuesday. Tuesday, yeah, that's, yeah, we've got a, that's a bit awkward, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no drinks for me tonight, but yeah. an even, uh, you know, an even bigger game on Tuesday yeah, night. Yeah. And, I'll have them for you, don't worry. Yeah, thank you. I'll have, I'll have a couple. Have a few. <laughs> yeah. Two or a flowers yeah. tomorrow, I'll have a lot tomorrow yeah, as well. But, but yeah, yeah. Like honestly, the longest serving player in the club, you deserve this. And, and your loyalty as well, because you're having to fight against high-quality keepers ever since you yeah. come here. But you stick. You're a, you're a hell of a figure around the club, as a character and as a player. And so you know, you earned this. Let's well, be thank honest. You, yeah. you know, like you said, I give 110 percent mm. every time I step onto the pitch of the football club. You know, football's a game of up and downs. Yeah. You know, Saturday, I come off absolutely fuming. Yeah. Just because of, of what happened, the two goals. You know, but. 
collectively as a team we were all, we weren't great anyway but yeah. you know I'm still disappointed in making mistakes yeah. and even though we won I wasn't celebrating yeah. you know I was trying not to swear but I was <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. you know I wasn't in the best mood all weekend yeah. but you know we've come out today we've put on a good show and we've beat a good side and we're going to Wembley so exactly can't complain about yeah. that try not complain at all thank you so much no, for what you so did for me today and the rest of the Wrexham no, yeah. trust me no, thank you let's go and enjoy it and we go down <laughs> yeah. and uh, try and win the trophy as well brilliant Wrexham's Heartbeat this is Callon FM well nice to hear from Christian Dibble uh, cracking goalkeeper yeah Goalkeeper, I think, oh, a player that really hasn't had a long, long stretch of games, like a whole season, has he, Mark? No, I mean, the, the longest stretch he had was when Lingsham was injured at the start of that second Brian Hughes season, wasn't it? Um, I mean, I, I just think that the, the journey he went through that week is quite something. You know, he starts off uh, with that, game against Dover, which, as you say, I think people were overcritical of him, myself included, and I, as you heard, I admitted that to him. Um, the second goal from the corner, I thought, was down to him not coming for it. Having looked at it again, it wasn't. He couldn't come for that. Um, the punch for the fourth goal is awful, but it's not just him. Toza just doesn't deal with the ball over the top, which is very surprising, and then waits for something to happen. It's both of them, I thought, were equally at blame, but, you know, people point the finger at Dibble, they don't point the finger at Toza, who's just been a rock all season. Um, but there were other things, you know, I, I, I feel he definitely took it to heart, that, that those five goals. As you heard, he definitely wasn't happy about it at all. And, you know, that's make or break for a goalkeeper, isn't it? How mentally strong are you? So to come back in in a game like that, and especially with Lee Camp having come in, so an experienced alternative, I never thought for a second Dibble wouldn't start against Stockport. I don't think Camp is, well, quite match sharp yet. Remember, he's only played two games for Clitheroe this season, that's it. And he is there, I think, as emergency backup, not to challenge for the first team place unless things go horribly wrong. But to know that Camp is there and to know there's pressure on his place... And to know how massive the game was and to know how good Stockport were. Um, and when he plays in the home game against who was it? He played a home game fairly recently. That was the it was like a crowd of eight thousand odd. It was the biggest crowd he played in front of in, in his entire career. You know, th- these are big games for Christian Dibble. And so to step up to that match in those circumstances, make those two huge saves, and also I should point out coming back from a little edgy moment at the start, because he had three kicks in the first 10 minutes, and none of them quite went where he wanted them to. Two of them went out of play. There was nothing major, but there's a lot of edgy fans who aren't sure about him. And you could, certainly around me, you could hear that bubbling. Yeah. You could hear people just muttering when he missed the ball. And you're thinking, okay, so the pressure's on him. In the Dover game, that thing happened that makes me really angry. The Dover, in the Dover game, the fans... And their loyalty were utterly unbelievable. They were magnificent. But there was a bit of sarcastic cheering when Dibble just received a simple pass back to him because he hadn't made a terrible mistake. And I hate that. You don't do that to your own players. You do that to your opponents. Um, I, you know, and so there was still a little edgy residue of that going on um, in the Stockport match. And 
he overcomes all of that. He also, when it was 1-0, if you remember, they get a free kick on the halfway line stock. But Dibble, it's not just Dibble, but the goalkeeper's got to take responsibility for, for his defensive line. Dibble and his defence decide they're going to hold a massively high line because we don't want Stockport winning a knockdown and dropping in our box. So free kick on the halfway line. And our defensive line wasn't just outside the box. It was, it was further up the pitch than the first cut of grass outside the box. So it was about 25, 26 yards out. It was an incredibly high line because we don't want them nodding balls into the goal mouth. And then when they try to lift it in behind, Dibble attacks it and Dibble deals with it with a massive punch and gets rid of it. And with Stockport, with barely any time to strike at us, they've had a chance to put it in the danger area and due to good decision-making and then decisive work by him, bang, that's gone and that's up the pitch. And then when they get the ball back in again, what is pretty much the last gasp for them, Dibble takes the catch. Not a difficult catch, but, you know, there's pressure on him. Drops on it, maybe style for a bit, just to chew the clock up. And then rather than just kick for the corners, sees that Mullins isolated because Stockport have got are overcommitting, understandably. They've just brought a centre-back off and brought a striker on. And he nails the kick that Hogan messes up for Mullins to make it 2-0. So again, good decision-making by Dibble. Um, you called him man of the match? Well, I sort of insisted in the commentary that Mullen had to be, simply because not only did he play well, but he scored two goals that got us to Wembley, one of which was outrageous. I just felt, in context, he's got to be man of the match because that's an historic thing he's done. But in terms of performance, Mullen, Dibble, Hayden, all three of them, I thought, were utterly magnificent and in their own ways were match winners. And uh, frankly, the rest of the players did well. There was no weak link. But yeah, Dibble, yeah, I agree with you. He was a match winner. Let's put it that way. He was brilliant. And for me, I'll always pick the goalkeeper myself because I, I think people don't pick it, won't pick a goalkeeper usually. Yeah. They have the, a fantastic game. And it, I think usually a goalkeeper has to make extraordinary, have an extraordinary game to win man of the match. Mm. But yeah, me, me and Bill, I think, agree that Dibble should have won and won man of the match. And mm. absolutely fair play to him. I'm so, so happy for him. And, you know, that. We'll talk about it later. The banner game, he didn't have to do anything really, did he? So, um, yeah. I tell you what, um, as well, I mean, that's a brilliant story of redemption, I think, for Dibble to step up like that. But in, in a much smaller way, I would say the same for Hayden, who I thought, right, <laughs> as if anyone cares what I think about this, but I'll break it down. I feel Mullen's got to be man of the match because he does something historic. And that goal in itself is just unbelievable. Dibble is as much of a match winner as Mullen for the saves he made and when he made them. But for, for the full 90, minute, sort of 90 minutes of excellence, Hayden, who's had a little wobble in his form lately, I think purely because he was ill, wasn't he? He played a game, had to yeah. come off half-time against Bromley because he was ill. Um, and has not quite got back to his normal levels. Well, he did against Torquay, uh, Torquay, against Stockport, didn't he? I mean, he was absolutely massive. And, and it's, a, it's a much smaller thing, but he just had a little dip in his, his levels. And then when it, when it mattered, that was the Red Baron in all his pomp, wasn't it? He was magnificent. Uh, the best centre-half in this league by a mile, I think. 
Ben Tools that doesn't agree. Neither does Max Cleverth. I know they will. I know they'll disagree, and don't get me wrong. Yeah, two fantastic centre halves, but I think what you want out of a modern day centre back, Aaron Hayden has everything, doesn't he? He has speed. He's good on the ball. Yeah, he's great in the air. He scores goals. And we've said all the lovely things about him already, haven't we? You know, we, we, we everyone knows we are an Aaron Hayden Appreciation Society, aren't we? Yeah. But I would say that as this team has bedded in and everything's clicked into place more, he's looked a lot more effective doing what Clowers does and getting up in support of the wing-backs. Yeah. Um, which yeah. is something he's, he's always had his locker, as we've said before. He played a lot of his career as a wing-back because, OK, he's not a sort of Hall Johnson-style whippet, but he is quick and he's... He's got that. I was thinking the Germans always used to in the 80s have wing backs like Briegel, who were just like man mountains, who were fast, strong, and just drove in straight lines and just devastated you physically. And Hayden's that sort of wing back. I'd much rather him as a centre back, but as that wide centre back, he's got he's got the best of both worlds, doesn't he? And the way our pattern of plays now are fit are settling. It's just perfect, isn't it? it just he, he fits it like a glove. Hundred percent. I, I look at Clowerth and I look at Hayden. If mm. say something was to happen, like a red card in the game, I think both of them could play as right back or left back and a flat back four. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, very versatile. Very good players, and yeah, yeah and Mullen, it's just. What did you think of Mullen's goal? It must be nice to be standing behind the goal watching that. Oh uh, well. Well, wow. I was just I was just about to get on to that, Mark. Um, <laughs> so the, the one thing we haven't talked about so far for at length is that goal. It, it's going to be known as that goal. It's had how many millions of views on Twitter? Yeah. Uh, it all starts from that great tackle by McFadden, though, doesn't it? Which was oh. just oh, it, it was amazing, fantastically timed. Um, was it Mc, was it McIlinden? Was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course it was. Yeah, because yeah. there was a substitution, wasn't there? Which I think the Jarvis McIlinden substitution was very effective in that mm. game as well. Also, of course it was. I, I I thought it was McFadden for a second. Yeah, the great yeah, the great tackle by McIlinden, which then did land at Jordan Davis's feet for the free yeah. ball. Was it? Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, what a beautiful goal by Mullen. As a goalkeeper yourself, do you what what do you think about the goalkeeper being that far off his line? Well, I believe that a a a different Wrexham podcast. I, I, yeah, I won't mention names, but I believe that they said that we Muller had been tipped off that the keeper strays off his line. I don't think there's much to be said about him being out of position there, really. I just think that when a player is charging down the line like that, you're not really expecting him to dink you from 25 yards on his weaker foot into the top left right corner, flicking the bar on the way in because it's so perfect. Um, you, you play the percentages, I would argue, as a goalkeeper. You, you take up the position that allows you to deal with the most likely threat and then you cope. Uh, you know, you invite the, the player to do the impossible thing. If you think about Mullins one-on-one earlier, remember he missed it, and Johnson missed it, yeah. so a back pass horribly, and Mullins all on his own. And although I think 
strikers often get a bit too long to think about things when they're in that position. Nonetheless, Mullins scored goals from those positions. He's reliable. I mean, Hinchcliffe plays that beautifully because he doesn't retreat and he doesn't overcommit. He takes a sort of quite brave high position and he's essentially saying to Mullen, you could chip me here if you want to. Yeah. But that's the low percentage option, isn't it? If you can take the keeper on and the keeper backs off a little bit and shows you the corners and you can hit the corners, you've scored. Whereas if the, if the keeper does that to you, you're thinking, all right, trying to hit the corners is going to be more difficult now. But if I try the chip, there's a lot more can go wrong with the chip. You can miss hit it, you can under hit it, or you can over hit it. It, it. There's a lot more to go wrong. So I think Inchcliffe, with that one-on-one, is right. And I reckon if, if Mullen is operating with thoughts in his head from beforehand, I think he's thinking um, that, that Inchcliffe did that to me on the last one-on-one. Well, if he takes those sort of brave positions to try and push me into decision, okay, then I'll call his bluff. And he backs himself. He backs his ability to be an absolute flaming genius and then delivers on that promise. I can't complain about that. You know, if the goalkeeper's in that position, most nine times out of 10 in this league, they're not going to hit a shot like that. Exactly. You know, if he he does actually manage to chip the goalkeeper and it does go on target, the keeper still might save it. Uh, It had to be perfect to go in. Yeah. It had to be perfect, and on his on his weaker foot as well. I know he's two footed, isn't he? But I mean, wow! I mean, just wow! It was just wrong, wasn't it? It's what you expect out of a Premier League level, oh yeah, or international level yeah. player. Uh, yeah. I did see a tweet from the Barry Horns, uh, you know, the band that play at the at the yeah. Wales game, saying, "What's everyone think about a Mullen call up?" Hmm. A lot of Swansea, Cardiff, and Newport fans are uneducated. Like, no, no, no. I honestly think after finishing uh, a shot like that and the the form he's in, why not? Uh, Why not? Oh, amazing. You know, I have reservations in some ways about Mulligan getting called up for Wales. You know, he is fifth level. But... Having said that, I mean, like you said, that level of skill for that goal, and it's not as if that's the only time he's done something excellent this season. It wasn't yeah. a fluke. He is capable. He's got that sort of thing in his locker. In a much simpler way, the second goal was a bit like, like that as well, wasn't it? It was audacious yeah. the way he took it. Um, but if... Oh, I know it's a terrible cliche, and I apologise. But if Mo Salah had scored that goal for Liverpool... That's goal of the season, end of, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it's, it, you, you, yeah. That's a very like a big cliche thing. If Messi scored that, like the Robson County thing, Messi scored that, it'd be known as the best goal ever. But yeah, but it's I true in this case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah I Imagine Messi agree. doing that for Barcelona. Uh, I could imagine that, that's your goal. That. That's your goal of the season, isn't it? Yeah, end of. Yeah, yeah. That's a Puskas Award. Oh, yeah. let's push. Let's push for him to win the Puskas Award. Well, you are on FIFA's radar and what have you. So <laughs> yes, I do love me. Yeah. You know, as 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 a guy that is known yeah. by FIFA, maybe you can put a word in. Well, yeah, I should I should emphasize that um Che is terrifyingly right. Um my over hysterical commentary of <laughs> the winning goal against Dover was retweeted by FIFA. Yeah, that FIFA. 
and got a quarter of a million views. And I then <laughs> replied to it and they, they immediately responded. I mean, let's be honest, I say they, it, it's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's not actually FIFA as such. It's a lad running their social media accounts, you know. It's not Johnny Infantino. But here he comes, they come straight back to me and we had a little chat where I was being I was being praised. And then I I um said something that ended the chat essentially. Um when and this was partly at the behest of Wrexham fans who were commenting and saying this, and I thought, okay, I'll I'll, I'll double down, I'll say it myself. I said, if you if you if you I'm available for the World Cup draw in Qatar, and I've got a lot of experience at children's parties, and also I've done lots of talks for the Qatar construction industry at their conferences. Probably that was a mistake, and the conversation was over at that point. They didn't reply. I've got to say, I was watching Jameen Genius thinking that could have been me. It was. It was heartbreaking. I mean, FIFA's loss is, is uh, well, actually, when I think about it, my loss as well. Yeah, it didn't turn out very well, did it? I shouldn't have pushed it with that whole construction industry thing. Well, to be fair, I think most people have more charisma, charisma than Jermaine Genus. Oh, bless him. Let's not crucify poor Jermaine. <laughs> Jermaine although I, Genus. Although I will say that I, I did feel a little bit uncomfortable when he turned to the female footballer next to him who just read a list of countries and said, oh, really well done, really well done. It's like, mate, women can read a list of countries off an autocue. It, was, yeah, it, it wasn't a very... <laughs> I wasn't impressed with him saying that, but apart from that, he's a safe pair of hands, wasn't he? Well, if he was a Marvel superhero, he'd be called Captain Obvious. Oh! Uh, it... <laughs> Anyway, I moving. wouldn't have been a safe pair of hands. I might have said anything. I might have been <laughs> gone all full Norwegian delegate on them and started calling them out. So, <laughs> well, yeah, well, moving on from Jermaine Genus. Oh, watching this game as well, which made it even more Hollywood than what our games usually are, was Ryan Reynolds, the man himself. He was there and. He was really enjoying it, wasn't he? And I think like he, he just looked like he was observing it like every other, every other person in the stands, which just makes makes you realise how invested he is in it and how invested both of him and Rob are. It was good, wasn't it? It was really good. And it was nice as well because it was it was kind of sweet. Like I said, I'm a teacher. A number of kids who are at the game uh, in that stand and we're talking about how, oh, there's a clear view of it. I mean, he was sitting in the front of that overhanging uh, aviation suite. And they all get a good view of Ryan Reynolds loving the game as much as they were for 90 minutes. I think that's really good. It's, it's a nice little connection. Uh, quite glad they've got the glass front and the front of that. I think it's good to be open in that sense. It's, yeah. It was brilliant. It did lead yeah. to my magnificent photobombing of him, yes. I'm afraid. Come on, explain, Mark. Well, basically, after the match, um, it was clear that something unusual was going on. Players were warming down as normal, but some other players were coming out who had been playing, and you thought, okay, is that because we've just got to Wembley and people are coming out to sort of sh share the moment? The stadium had emptied, so there were just a few uh, players on the pitch, Wrexham officials, um, club sponsors, you know, the sponsors of the match, 
And then all of a sudden, down comes Ryan Reynolds and his documentary, the documentary crew. And so he was going around the pitch, basically having a good old time congratulating the players. And I thought, well, I'm getting down there now. And so I look at what's going on. So I popped down there and I thought, Christian Dibble was out there. That's when I got that interview with Christian Dibble. So we were having a little chat on the sides of the pitch. We got up against the advertising hoardings by the tunnel. And those electronic boards, they have a hinge on a hinge and they open up. So we got like a little right-angled shape and we are tucked into the right angle, having a chat away from everyone else so that, you know, the sound quality is okay. As we finished, we were walking away. Um, funnily enough, full disclosure, I was telling him about the horrific goal uh, that I let in at the race course years ago. Um, at your end, at the Rex Rem's end, it was a bit horrible. And just as he's spluttering in astonishment because it was an own goal, uh, a back pass that I let in, and he's spluttering and saying, I know, so you're saying you, you let that happen when you were allowed to pick up back passes, and he was astounded at the atrocity I was describing. Ryan Reynolds suddenly burst in to congratulate Dibble. And then, to be fair to him, immediately apologises to me and says, no, I, I didn't mean to interrupt. He said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Gives me a bit of a Ryan Reynolds handshake. I said, ah, you know, you're just lucky to be shaking my hand, Ryan, all that, man. I didn't really say that. Um, I just gazed into his eyes and said, thank you. Um, but then the thing is that they chatted. I couldn't get around them in one direction because I was blocked in by that right angle of the advertising hoarding. And I couldn't go the other way because the documentary crew immediately filled that gap. So they're filming across me. The only way I can get out of this situation is to walk across their shots and sort of shove them out of the way. So I said, okay, I'll just stay here. I'm doing no harm. So I realized that all the other photographers, the newspapers, the club photographers, everyone else are opposite me taking photos of Dibble and Reynolds with me standing in the background, videos, everything. And I'm just standing there on my own in the background. I thought, oh, this looks really like pathetic photo bombing. And I just thought, what should I do? I genuinely toyed with just slowly bending my knees and disappearing down under the, under the screen. <laughs> Decided not to because that, look, that would either make me a viral legend or that yeah. Luke, who did that really odd thing behind Ryan Reynolds. So I decided not to. And the best thing I could do was just stand there as if, yeah, this is what I do. Every Saturday, I just stand by the advertising audience right here. Nothing's going on. I just stood there trying to look like, yeah, a normal day at the office. So I, I, I ended up in everybody's photographs looking like some sad fanboy, but a bored fanboy because I was trying to look nonchalant. Oh, God. That's hilarious. You Wrong. couldn't have backflipped or anything like that out of the way. Or... Yeah. Held up a sign saying, hello, mum. Well, that is a hilarious story, in all fairness, Mark. Uh, another, hilarious, another hilarious thing was Barnett's defending on Tuesday. Ooh. After that, we're going to be breaking that down. Like the Wrexham team did. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, was a, that was smooth. I'm Jake Hyde, and this is Dragonheart. Well, Barnet. Uh, dodgy Barnet. Dodgy Barnet. I remember before the game thinking to myself, 
yeah, you know what? After the Dover game and after the Stockport game, I could do with a lot more relaxing game, really, where we, you know, convincingly win one or two nil, and it's just never in doubt. And Neil agreed who was on commentary with us. Yeah, can we have a relaxing game where we win convincingly? Boy, we got that, didn't we, Mark? It was never really in doubt, was it, that we were the far superior side? Like I said before, I'm a teacher. People who couldn't get to the game asked me how it went, and I just couldn't resist putting up the old meme of um, Homer Simpson beating up the crusty burglar and the children standing in horror, with one of them saying, stop, stop, he's already dead. That was what that game felt like. <laughs> it was a battering barnet. It, it was. And it, if, you know, if, if I was a Barnet fan, you travelled all that way up, you'd be thinking, what have I just watched? It, it looked like two teams from completely different levels. And the way they set up, was so strange, wasn't it? They, yeah. they had that big towering... Up, I'm assuming he's a centre-half, usually. What's his name again? Um, Greenwich. Well, Greenwich and Richard Everton, wasn't it? The left side. Yeah, Richard, the Ev- Richard yeah. Everton, he was playing at left-back, wasn't he? And he's a big towering stopper of a centre-half, I'm assuming, usually. Yeah. He looked completely out of his depth, didn't he? Bless him. It was, I mean, I'd say tactically it was very odd. It almost looked like a back three with no left wing back. And I, I, All right, I'm trying to work this out. Okay, Barnes have nothing to lose. Their manager's trying to be cute. But I understand, okay, they, they also congested in the middle of the pitch quite a lot. It was quite odd the first 15 minutes, I thought, until we scored. There was a lot in my mind of like looking at players who were in, the wrong sort of position. Like you sort of, the game looked odd. The shape of the game looked peculiar. Too many players, not where you'd expect them to be. And, and all right, I, I think they were trying to be clever. They know full well that if we get direct service to Mullen and to Palmer, isolated against centre backs, then those centre backs are in a hell of a lot of trouble. So I get that they congest the middle of the pitch, so it's harder to drive balls into them. They have an extra centre-back in essence by making a left-back sit in. And as you said, he's a stopper. And somehow you're thinking, OK, so we sort of hopefully are cutting off the supply to them and we've got extra cover when if the ball does get to them. He, the, the, the problem with it was that they totally failed to stop supply getting to them. It was so easy for us to ping bars And their centre-backs, well... Dear listener, full disclosure, after the last link, when um, Che said how bad Barnet were, you've frozen again, haven't you? Grr. Hello there. You've come from the problem like that. The problem. You went, but well, the I said problem... They, they tried to stop the balls going through. Did I? Yeah. And they've got yeah, the narrow went, lads, so they're not outnumbered. Yeah, and then you went, uh, the problem. Right, then, I got it. Okay, three, okay, three, two, one. The problem was that they completely failed to get to stop straight balls and coming through. We were finding them all the time, so that part of it didn't work. And then, right, full disclosure, dear listener, after his link into the last break, 
Jay said, was I a bit harsh on Barnett's defenders with the comment that I made about them? And I said, no, not in the slightest, because they were shocking. And the fact of the matter was, they had, <coughs> sorry, they had, they had an extra man in the middle to deal with Mullen and Palmer, but they were all bad defenders. They had nightmares, so it didn't work. I mean, Richard Everson and Greenwich in particular were awful. They both made silly mistakes that led to goals. Um, there was a point, you'll remember maybe in commentary, Jay, where Richard Everton, uh, no, Greenwich it was, beg your pardon, just made a routine little sprint across the edge of his box and, and thumped it pointlessly out of play for the throw-in. And I said to you that I genuinely, he was so clumsy, and I kept using the word clumsy throughout that commentary when they were defending. He was so clumsy the way he ran across the box. I genuinely thought, is Amsterdam going on? I honestly thought it was a muscle gone ping. But he, no, he was fine. It was just, he, they couldn't even run in a straight line. They were dreadful. And one of my clearest memories of the commentary, Jay, was hearing Neil constantly saying, oh, that's rubbish. Every time they got the ball, because their defenders weren't even trying to find teammates, they'd given up, to be honest. I don't say that lightly. But they were just thumping the ball in the crowd with no pressure on them. They weren't even trying to pass the ball forwards. It looked like they were playing football on rollerblades, didn't they? <laughs> yes. it, it was it was really strange. And yeah, I think we were excellent, as their manager said in their interview. You know, they're a team of high quality, and we've tried a few things tonight, and it hasn't come off. Fair, fair enough. But it was it was just they were lacking the basics. We were just thumping the ball up, and they would just look like they were panicking. You know, they were clearing the, they, they were running with the ball, their defense was running with the ball when they probably should have just been clearing it. And they were clearing the ball like a rugby game as well, weren't they? Like just yeah, kicking yeah. it out into touch. And it yeah. was just, it was quite comical, really. And I felt quite sorry for their goalkeeper who made a couple of good saves. But yeah, l- l- let's talk about those for a minute then. We, we, we opened up the score uh, line with an Ollie Palmer goal. He battled, didn't he? He battled with the defender. The defender probably should have just hoofed it away. Uh, Yeah, it was kind. It was was a strange goal, but well worked by Ollie Palmer, wasn't it? That's brilliant persistence. Shocking defending, but that that is the point. You can hit Mullen and Palmer with early direct passes, and if you find them, the defender's in trouble. But if you don't find them, as long as you put them in the right sort of area, they are both capable because they're fair play. I mean, they're high caliber players, but they've both got a shift in. They will fight with defenders and they they will make something of it. And that's exactly what he did with that. Just like with the second goal against uh, Stockport, Mullen, just monstering Hogan, who was a good, solid, straightforward centre-back, the cut above the Barnet ones but he just made him make the mistake. If you give them someone to fight for, there's a decent chance they'll beat the centre-back and cause a problem. Um, and then, you know, the second one as well, I just thought was a sign of Mullins' quality of finishing. It, was, it wasn't the most difficult chance, but it's a tight angle and he's just got no doubt. He just plonks it in the, the roof of the net, yeah. you know? Yeah, and again, Hayden winning a fantastic header again. Yeah. Uh, the, the the most iconic duo this season is Toza throw-ins and Hayden's head. Mm. Uh, forced a good save from the keeper as well, didn't it? Yeah. To be fair, mm. uh, yeah, Mullin and Mullin got the follow-through, which was brilliant. And then just before half-time, John Davis gets a goal too, doesn't he, Mark? 
very very composed, wasn't he? Because he he's got a good sight of goal on his right foot, but he knows he'd rather not. He wants to put it on his left, and he's strong enough and calm enough to work that and then hit it as he's being well. I mean, I thought being fouls to be honest, but yeah, strength, quality, calm decision making. You know, Jordan's just—I mean—he's a really class player, isn't he? He yeah. should be in the Wales picture, I think, to be honest. I 100% agree. And I think if he carries on playing like he does, maybe next season if we get promoted, I think he will be, to be in all fairness. Um, and then goal four for me, which was the most satisfying because Tozer hasn't had a goal this season and he's been excellent. He's assisted many. He's, he's been a big picture on many of throw-ins and the quality of ball, uh, delivery he has. Yeah, he gets a goal by burying it in the back of the net and Boy, did he love it. You know, you could tell he's probably been itching to get on the goal sheet this season. He, he shouldn't score any other way, should he? Just blasting the ball. Yeah. <laughs> that was perfect, wasn't it? Pinging it, and he loved it, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. And then the other person who comes in and gets a very gratifying first goal for us, Linden, who frankly could easily have scored a hat-trick anyway. He missed a, a good chance that leads to Hall Johnson's goal. And I think the main thing with that is just apart from how easy it was to pick Barnett apart, just how it's just good seeing your wing back getting in three yards out for tappings. That shows how much on the front foot you are. That shows your system's working, doesn't it? But he finally got the goal, Macklinden, didn't he? Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, it was. It was. It was lovely, wasn't it? It, it was. And that it, it, maybe the keeper should have done a bit better with the first shot, but. Yeah, he, he he followed through and got a goal, and we, we forgot about the other the fifth goal, the overlap. Yeah, to yeah, Max Clareworth, he dribbles in. Oh he's yeah, the star, yeah, yeah, he's the star star piece for yeah. that goal, isn't he? And he, hence why I thought at that point, mm, yeah, if we ever play a flat, flat back four and we we don't have we have a wing back crisis, I think Max Clareworth could play left back. Yeah, the, yeah. his defensive quality, how good he is on the ball. He dribbles past them like he's messy. And <laughs> it finds Reese Johnson. It was just so fun. That, that game was just so satisfying to watch in many different ways. It wasn't on the edge of your seat stuff. It felt like a, a sort of a FA Cup game when you're playing a team that's not quite there this season. But in all fairness to Barnett, they've been in reasonably good form. They beat Boreham Wood recently. Yeah. They beat Maidenhead, who we haven't beaten this season. Uh, and they beat Dover 6-0. Uh, they got a draw against Yeovil 2-2, which is nothing to be scoffed at. So they were a team obviously not on terrible form. Yeah, they didn't have anything to play with, play for. But yeah, 6-0 at home. <laughs> Excellent. It was an indication of how good we are, wasn't it? That yeah, we made yeah. them look really silly. I don't want to say it'd be nasty saying that, but we made them look useless. But they're not useless, as you rightly said. They're in decent form. But it, it, it really was our game plan coming together. Uh, it, it had a, such a sense of inevitability about it. It was beautiful to watch. So, uh, I don't know. Where do you reckon Bill's title officer will be now? Then? All right. Shall we hear from him? Sounds like a plan. I'm Harry Lennon, and this is Dragon Heart. So, the uh, super scientific... Uh, title on has been wearing since those last couple of games. Um, I think the Barnet match was sort of proof that 
we're going to push Stockport all the way. We're eight points behind them, so the title armament is at an eight. It's obviously only a ten if we take over Stockport, but I think if anyone's going to do it, it'll be us. Uh, it can't be a full ten because we're relying on them slipping up now. Uh, I think if the season had been, let's say, another three or four weeks longer, we'd probably be the ones to... to maybe take over, but I think they've just done enough to to clinch it. And I've been saying all year, really, that the team that, that picks up form late February, March, is is always going to be dangerous, and they're going to be the ones to look out for. So hopefully that's us going into it. But I just think Stockport have got just a bit too much. And yeah, hopefully it's us if they do, if they do slip up. This is Sean Brisley. This is Dragon Heart. Well, Bill's titleometer, we've just heard from him what I think now of the title. I've been quite negative. I've been saying Stockport will win the league. At our, well, would have won the league before we got to our place. But let's say we are breathing down their necks. We can, we can win this league. It's up to them to make the mistakes now. And let's be fair, yeah, we've seen last week they're a quality side, but we are just as good, if not a little bit better, in my opinion. So it is up to Stockport to make the mistakes now, Mark. And they, they are a tough game on Saturday and they've got a tough running of games. They've got to be perfect. It's about time they have a dip in form. It's about time they have a dip in form. And I can't see us losing. And I can't see us losing at home, especially at the moment. Honestly, Mark, I, I've completely changed a little bit. I think we can win the league. Granted, if Stockport dip in form. But, Mark... We're going to win the league. Stockport, we are coming for you. <laughs> Welcome over to the sensible side, good lad. Um, I just I just would love to see all those little WhatsApp groups among the Stockport players after Saturday. They just had such a lovely run of battering everybody. And, they, they you know, I mean, they rightly got the confidence that brings. And then after Saturday, they're all messaging each other saying, oh, hang on, Wrexham are better than us. Ooh. This feels different. It does feel different, Stockport, because we are chasing you down. It's great fun, isn't it? <laughs> and it's going to be a crazy, crazy last home game of the season. Yeah. I can't, can't wait for whatever this season brings, Mark, because it's been a real up and down. Anyway, it's time to wrap up the show now, Mark. I'm going to... Next Tuesday... We have a special Dragon Art, which is like a documentary style thing that Mark's whipping up. I'm really excited to hear that. It's going to be from players, people who covered the game, fans, people who listened on the radio. I'm really looking forward to seeing the outcome of that, Mark. Thanks for producing it. Uh, please follow Dragon Heart on Instagram, Twitter. Please follow the official Wrexham AFC Twitter, YouTube. The AAAs have been absolutely booming and a lot of the fans love them, rightly so. Some fantastic work by our media team. Don't forget so, Quib yeah. and Tevanol, of course. Neil Williams' oh. Welsh language podcast. Of course, yeah. We've got the final whistle and, and the Welsh podcast. Yeah, it's booming on and off the field. Again, thank you very much, Mark, for joining me today. Absolutely. This has been Dragon Art. <laughs>